0: Philippians chapter number 3, the Apostle Paul is writing to a... This is a letter from a missionary to a missions church that God had used him to plant. And he's sharing with this church his personal testimony of salvation. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous... But for you, it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man... if uh, any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ, and be found in him. Unto the resurrection of the dead. Well, I've got a question for you. Why are you here today? Why are you here today? By the way, if you didn't pick up a sermon handout, we have them sitting at the entrances for you to pick up as you walk in. That's what we're going to be trying to do from here on out. So if you didn't pick up one, uh, ushers have some of those. We're going to try to we're trying to minimize the things that we hand out during the service so you can pick those up as you come in. Uh, to the auditorium and uh, from the uh, the wooden stools on the uh, at the entrances, but um, thank you men, for helping us make sure those get out and around. I got a question though for you why why are you here today that's a that's an interesting question I've been pondering uh, this week, and I read something once that uh, kind of stuck with me. It was a statement that said that when People gather in a place. When people gather in a place, next slide please. When people gather in a place, you have a crowd. People gathered equals a crowd. But, people who are gathered plus purpose equals a church. Now, This morning, you may be contributing to the crowd, just a crowd of people that happen to end up here in this building this morning at 10 o'clock, and we are a crowd. But if there are amongst the crowd people who understand the purpose of Jesus' church and more than understand that purpose they have owned that purpose as their own purpose for life, then the crowd is transformed into an amazing organism, a church of the living God. So just a group of people gathered is just a crowd. But the people that understand purpose and own it make that crowd to become a church. And so let's think about the purpose of God's church this morning. The purpose of God's church. Here's the purpose of Community Baptist Church that goes all the way back 25 years to the beginning of the church in an abbreviated statement. And the purpose statement states our passion is to know Christ and make him known. Could you repeat that with me? Let's all say it together in unison. Our passion is to know Christ and make him known. That's purpose. That's a crowd of people who have owned a purpose for being here and a purpose for living that makes a crowd of people to become a church. Now, let's broaden it out a little bit and let's repeat it in this Broader statement. Let's say it together. Our passion is to know Christ and make him known in our community and world. Let's say that one again. Our passion is to know Christ and make him known in our community and world. That's our purpose statement. But it's a little bit longer than that. So let's go ahead and let's uh, let's fluff it out a little bit more, and let's say it all together. Are you ready? In unison, our passion is to know Christ and make Him known in our community through worship, witness, discipleship, and fellowship, and in our world through missions. That's the purpose statement of Community Baptist Church that dates back. 25 years. Is it your purpose for life? As a member of Community Baptist Church, is that your purpose? Do you contribute to changing this crowd of people into an actual team? Or what the Bible calls an ecclesia, a called out Assemble together a group of people around the purpose that Jesus Christ gave to us as his body here in this location. If we have owned the purpose of the church, then we contribute to a crowd of people being a team organized together as a powerful entity in a geographic location to accomplish the purpose of the living God. That he gave to us. So the question is, why are you here? Are you here because you're a part of a team organized together in order to fulfill a purpose? Well, with that in mind, let's make it personal. Let's, let's change the purpose statement a little bit. Let's change one word in it. Let's all say it together in the abbreviated statement. My passion. Let's all say it together. My passion is to know Christ and make him known. Is that your passion? Let's say it again a little bit broader. Are you ready? Say it all together. My passion is to know Christ and make him known in our community and in the world. Or the full statement. One more time. My passion is to know Christ and make him known. In our community, and I'm sorry, through our worship, witness, discipleship, and fellowship, and in our world through missions. Is that my passion? That's what's critical in a crowd of people becoming an organized, powerful, assembled together team organized around the purpose of God. Our theme of our 25th anniversary, as you have seen, is still forward, still looks back over our shoulders at 25 years to reminisce, to remember, who are we? Where did we come from? Why did this church become a reality 25 years ago? Who have we been through 25 years? With the commitment, we're still that way. We are who we started out to be. We believe still what we believed 25 years ago. We are still organized as a, as a team around a purpose. A purpose that was designed by God himself. Still. But we don't want to be a relic of the past. And so the arrow pointing forward is a commitment that we march forward into a new era of Community Baptist Church, knowing well the foundation of the purpose that we embraced 25 years ago. Still believing what we believed then, but committed to cascade that out into the future. And be in the future what we have been in the past, with a passion to make Christ known. A passion to know Christ ourselves and to make him known. Well, Where did that come from, that statement? Why did that statement become important to us as a church family 25 years ago? I want you to take your Bibles, and if you're still there, or if you've gone back to Philippians chapter 3, you can stick something uh, in that uh, location, and then turn a little bit earlier to the Gospel of John chapter 17. The Gospel of John chapter 17. I want to introduce you uh, and remind us all of the purpose of Community Baptist Church, and it's going to take two weeks to do that, and so this morning I'm, preaching the first half of the sermon and next Sunday morning I'll preach the second half of the sermon both dealing with the thought of purpose declared what is our purpose and this this morning we're going to focus on that purpose from the perspective of a full experience of eternal life and and the The thing that we're going to look at this morning is going to begin with an explanation that is given to us in in a portion of Scripture written by the Apostle John. And then we're going to look at the illustration of that explanation in the life of the Apostle Paul. So we're going to see a statement of purpose, and then we're going to see it illustrated In the life of the great church planter of the New Testament era, the Apostle Paul. What does our purpose mean? You know, we can memorize that purpose. We can memorize it. We can say, I know what our purpose is. Our passion is to know Christ and make him known. I can say it backwards and forwards, upside down and right side up. I know. I memorize. I know what it is. Do we know what it means? And more importantly, does it describe who we are as individuals, that that is our purpose for living life. And so here in John chapter 17, I'm glad that Jesus Christ prayed this prayer. He's he has just left the upper room with his 12 apostles. They're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is praying. He's talking to God the Father as they walk along and late, late into the night in the winding streets of Jerusalem, going across the Kidron Valley and up into the Mount of Olives where he will go to the Garden of Gethsemane and spend a season of time in prayer. But this is a prayer he prayed as they walked along as a group. And apparently, he must have prayed this prayer out loud. And John listened to what he prayed. Then the Spirit of God inspired him to record this prayer, and it's a phenomenal prayer. The, the prayer requests that Jesus Christ prayed are just phenomenal. We're just going to pick one little nugget out of this prayer that is found in verse number three. But let me read beginning in verse number one. John 17 verse number one. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son That thy son also may glorify thee. Understand he's within hours of being nailed to the cross. The hour has come. And Jesus' greatest glory is to be crucified. And bring glory to God the Father. As he conquered death for us. That we could have eternal life. Jesus' greatest hour is in front of him. And he's ready. Can I paraphrase his prayer request? Jesus said of the cross, Bring it on. The hour's here, bring it on. Glorify thy Son that I might glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Jesus is fixated on the salvation of your soul. As He approaches the hour of His crucifixion, you are on His mind. He'll actually pray for you specifically. A little later in the prayer, he prays for all those who shall yet in the unfolding generations of time, each person that would come to know him as Lord and Savior. He he had all of those future believers on his mind. And he is focusing on the salvation of the unsaved. Salvation of the lost. Bringing the lost. ...to eternal life. That's what's captivating the mind of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ gave to us... ...the most amazing definition of what the cross is all about. In verse number 3, he said, this is life eternal. What is life eternal? Is it merely the duration... That one will live. That it is eternal. Is it merely the possession of life rather than death that I will be alive during a duration of time? Is that merely what eternal life is to possess life rather than death and to possess it for a period of time? No, no, no. Eternal life is not merely life eternally. Eternal life is not merely to be alive eternally. Jesus Christ gave us a definition of eternal life. A definition, definition that ought to captivate us. It is the essence of why our purpose statement 25 years ago stated that our passion is to know Christ. Because eternal life, according to verse 3, according to Jesus Christ, eternal life is that they might know thee. Eternal life is not a duration of life, merely. Eternal life is not the possession of life for a duration. Eternal life is a relationship. It's to know God and to know Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. To possess eternal life is to possess... A relationship with my creator. It's not merely to not die. Or to exist in heaven a million years from now. It is far more than that. And if all a person wants is a fire insurance policy. So they won't have to go to hell. They'll miss the entire purpose of the cross. Because the purpose of the cross is not merely to give the duration of life to a person. But it's to give the quality of a relationship to a person. This is eternal life. What is eternal life, Jesus? That they might know thee. I want you to understand that this is the great explanation of our purpose statement. We exist as a church. To help people come into a vibrant, personal, real, meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the church. It needs to be the passion of the church. My passion is to know Thee. Now, with that in mind, that eternal life is not merely a destination, but rather it's a present personal relationship that will never end. A present personal relationship that will never end. Then turn with me back over to the passage we read a moment ago in Philippians 3. And I want you to see the illustration. The explanation is given in the statement of Jesus Christ in His conversation with the Father as He approached the cross. That the cross is all about Bringing eternal life to people. And that eternal life is a present personal relationship that will never end. Understanding the explanation and why our purpose statement states, My passion is to know Christ. Then I want you to see the way this is illustrated in the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul. Let me show you the breakdown of this, then we'll go back and we'll hit a couple of the points in this amazing testimony. We read the entire testimony a few moments ago, where in the first uh, six verses, the Apostle Paul... And and you'd have to understand uh, your Bible and understand the customs and the the religion of Judaism. Uh, You'd have to understand something about life in Israel when Jesus Christ walked the earth in Israel... To understand what all Paul just said there. Could I, rather than an hour lesson trying to understand all that, could I just say that what Paul said is, I was a religious man. I was in the upper echelons of religiosity. I was the Pope. I was the priest, I was the preacher, I was the archbishop, I was the deacon, I was the one who had official capacity. I was the one that did everything my religion told me to do. I worked tirelessly day after day my entire life to be good enough to deserve a presence with God forever. I was an individual who jumped through all the hoops I performed every ceremony. I was involved in all the rituals. I did everything that my religion told me to do to earn my way into heaven. And then he met Jesus Christ. He talks here in this passage, if you come down to verse number 10, that I may know him. He also mentioned in verse number eight, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Here's an illustration of the statement Jesus made that eternal life is all about a present personal relationship that will never end. Here's the illustration as it worked itself out in the Apostle Paul's life. He wanted to know Christ. A personal, vibrant relationship with the living God. And the Apostle Paul saw that in two different installments. Could I say it that way? Two different aspects. He said in verse number 8 at the end of the verse that I may win Christ and be found in him. That's what we call justification. Justification. The moment in which I win Christ and I become in Christ in a split second of time. But then, in verse number 10, he speaks about that I may know him. Now, I'm, I'm a, a nut for, um, for observing uh, repetitious clauses and trying to pick apart and understand the word of God. You'll notice that verse 8 ends, that I may... And verse number 10 begins, that I may. That I may win Christ, that I may know Christ. And so in your little worksheet this morning, you see that the Apostle Paul is willing to give up all of his religion. In order that he might gain Christ, that's justification. And in order that he might know Christ, that's a growth. That takes place for the rest of my life that we call sanctification as I gradually learn more and more and enter deeper and deeper into a personal relationship with the one to whom I was introduced at the moment of my justification. Now let's back up a little bit. Verse number seven, after listing all of his goodnesses in verse number seven, he says, but the things which were gained to me, by the way, this is the language of an accountant. This comes out of the accounting world. He says, he says, the things which were gained, the word gained there means an asset. It means something on the the side of the balance ledger that's to your good. It's something you have. And the Apostle Paul listed all of his good works, all of his religion, all the things that he'd worked all his life to attain, to build up a balance on his balance sheet that was filled with assets. He said, what I had always, my entire life, considered to be my assets, my gain, I counted loss." The very same word is used over in the story in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul was on a boat that was destined for shipwreck. And in the midst of that horrific storm in the Mediterranean, the ship, it seemed, was going down. And they threw everything overboard. They threw the gold. They threw the food. They even got down to where they threw the actual tackling that they would use to sail the ship. They Bible says they took it with their own hands and they threw the tackling overboard to lighten the ship. They were desperate. Everything that they thought was an asset to them on that boat, the treasure, the food, the store of commodity that they were transporting, even the very block and tackle, everything that they considered valuable to them, they threw it overboard. Because it became a loss that would take them down to the bottom of the Mediterranean and take their lives. That's the terminology used here. Paul said, what I counted to be the great assets of my life that would earn me favor into the presence of God, I counted all of that to be damaged to me. It is not an asset. It's going to drag me down. It's not going to lift me up to heaven. It's going to take me down to hell. My religion, my good works, my goodnesses, everything that my whole life I thought earned me a presence in the in the." The place of God is in reality a loss and a danger that's going to take me to the pits of hell. And so I counted all of it as loss, as damage. He even went so far in the next verse to say I counted it all as dung, as manure, the waste that would come from the body after all the energy. Is removed from the food. It is dung. All my righteousnesses as filthy rags. And so in verse 8, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss, because that's what it costs to come to know Jesus Christ. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Now, that's the same word translated uh, as uh, loss in verse number 7. You say, well, why isn't it translated loss? I'm sorry, that I may win Christ. It's the same word in verse 7 translated gain. Well, why is it translated gain in verse 7, and why is it translated loss? Uh, Or or win, I'm sorry, in verse number 8. Because one's a verb and one's a noun. Verse number 7, he talked about something he possessed. But in verse number 9, he uh, verse number 8, he uses it as a verb that I might gain. That I might win. That I might acquire that which was so valuable to me. Or what I thought was valuable to me. He was willing to give up what he thought was valuable in order to, to gain or to win to himself what was in reality valuable. And that is the person of Jesus Christ who could save him from his sin. He said that I may win Christ, that I might gain Christ, that I might acquire Christ, that Christ might come into my life and be to me what all of my religion could never be, that... Jesus Christ might come into my life and be all that my good works could never be. That I might acquire, gain, win, possess the person of Jesus Christ and be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness which is of the law. My good works. All the things I did right. But that which is through faith. The righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. The Apostle Paul got saved. He gained Jesus Christ. Could I say to you the three little statements there. How do I gain Jesus Christ in my life? Number one, it'll cost you everything. Paul said, I had to count all of my good works as manure. I had to count all my religiosity as manure. I had to admit that there was nothing I could do And all the things I've tried to do to earn favor with God, I had to cast it all away and discard it all. And then in verse number 9, it will require you to acknowledge your inability. I was found in him not having my own righteousness, but rather the righteousness that only God can provide through faith in Christ. It will require that you acknowledge you are totally incapable of ever Earning favor with God. And then finally, it will require that you trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Verse number 9 ends, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now that's, that's justification. That's salvation. I come to the point in my life where I realize that everything I could ever do for God will do me no good whatsoever in a totally incapable of ever fixing the problem of my sin. So I reject it all. I turn away from it all. And I trust Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. Oh, to know Christ in justification. To have a knowledge of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My purpose is to know Christ and to make him known. CDC was birthed by groups of people from sister churches here in northern Virginia who often on a Saturday would bring a group of people over and meet with me over in the warehouse and get literature. And then they would fan out all over this area and pass out gospel literature to invite people to a new church being planted. Gospel Blitz existed at CBC before CBC existed as a church. And then as, as people came and as a church body was was organized and formed, then the members of Community Baptist Church took ownership of that responsibility to make Christ known in our area. And so every month we would have 15, 25, 35 people out every every time we had Gospel Blitz out giving out literature, spreading Gospel tracts, letting other people know, putting in the hands of people the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And the membership of CBC took ownership of the purpose. Our passion is to know Christ and to make Him known. Thousands of gospel tracts were distributed throughout the area. Yesterday, you know, we, we've, we've, uh, everything's got messed up with COVID. And God has burdened Troy Marvin. About the need of Northern Virginia for the gospel. People in his community that don't know Christ. As he walks the streets of his community and prays for the people that live in this house. Prays for the people that live in this house. He's asked people, would you come and help me? Would you come and meet me over in my community? Yesterday, ten members of CBC met and helped Troy Pass out hundreds of true life cards around his community. Why? Because our passion is to know Christ and to make him known. Is it your passion? Are you a part of the crowd or do you make the crowd become a church? Is it a part of who you are? Rod Woodruff reminded me of something a couple of days ago. He sent me an email and he said, Pastor, you might remember this. When we were in Ireland, Dan Canaved said something like this. We've spent many Saturdays passing out material to many neighborhoods in Dublin. And I don't think we've ever had someone come to our church as a result. You say, well, why go out then? Why did those ten members go out yesterday morning and pass out hundreds of true lifeguards? I've passed out gospel tracts all my life, all my Christian life, and I don't know that I ever have known of one person that got saved from one of the gospel tracts I've given out, but I still give them out. Why? Why give them out? Why go on gospel blitz? Why have a passion to make Christ known? Rod Woodruff reminded me of what Dan said. Dan said, I... I don't think we've ever had someone come to the church as a result, but we've learned that when we stop doing things like this, our growth stops and we begin to shrink. God keeps the records. God knows when he has a church rather than a crowd. God knows when the peripheral is peeled back. And what's left is the core. The people who have owned the purpose. The people who not only memorize the purpose, but they personalize the purpose. And they say, my passion is to know Christ and to make him known. And when God sees a people who own the purpose and put feet to that. He blesses that group of people. As Dan Canavan said, I've learned over the years that when I'm not passing out tracts and I'm not out on gospel blitz, we begin to shrink. And when I go on gospel blitz and I give out gospel tracts, even though the people that come, I can't trace back to that particular track. God sends people. And we don't shrink, but we grow. I learned yesterday that Suresh and Samuel, years ago, were out on Gospel Blitz. And, uh, and Samuel a lot younger than what he is now. And Sharesh had told him, now I want you to work down this road, and I want you to stop at this particular location. Well, Samuel, he just kept right on going. And by the time Sharesh worked around back to try to find him, he couldn't find him anywhere. I heard, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I heard that Sharesh looked for an hour to find Samuel. Finally found him. Said, I I bet you I know what Sharesh did. I bet you he never took Samuel on Gospel Blitz again. No, no, that's not what happened. He got a tracing device and put it in Samuel's pocket so he could always find him when it was time to find him. I'm asking you this morning, are you a part of the crowd or are you part of the church? Do you understand why we're here? Have you owned it in your personal life? It is your passion to know Christ and to make him known. Could I finish by just pointing out that having come into a relationship whereby he gained Christ and Christ became his, he then said in verse number 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. You see, Paul wanted his introduction where Christ came into his life and he gained Christ. He wanted that to begin the transformation of his character where he might know Christ personally, to know him, to know his thoughts, to know how he feels, to know what he's about, to know Christ Personally, But not just that. He wanted to know Christ powerfully. He wanted to know the power of a resurrected Christ working through his life, accomplishing unbelievable things that could only be done by the power of a God who's powerful enough to breathe life back into a corpse. The power of resurrection. Paul said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Paul prayed for that in Ephesians chapter 2 for the members of the church at Ephesus. He prayed that they might come to experience the power of a resurrected Christ in their sanctification, in their developing relationship with Jesus Christ. And not only that, but he was desirous of knowing Christ painfully. You read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that Paul bore on his body the marks of what it cost him to evangelize and carry out the purpose of the church. He talked about bearing in his body the marks of what it cost him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in a world that didn't want to hear about it. And Paul wanted his personal relationship with Jesus Christ to be something that was personal, that he understood the person, the personality of Jesus Christ. But it was more than that. He wanted to know the power of a resurrected Savior working through his life, accomplishing what only a resurrected Savior's power could accomplish. But it was more than that. He was willing to suffer. you ever read the uh, magazines about the martyrs. Do you ever look up on the web what Christians were beheaded this week? Our brothers and sisters in Christ who was beaten this week. Paul said, I want to know Christ so deeply that when I suffer, For evangelism, I'll accept it as a painful knowing Jesus Christ on an intimate level that I had never known him before. That's what is meant when we say our purpose is to know Christ and to make him known. I want to know him personally, powerfully, and even painfully. And then I want to make Him known in our community and in our world. And when a church full of people own the purpose that Jesus Christ gave to us as a church body, then we become a powerhouse for Jesus Christ in a world that doesn't know Him.